Well, hello. Welcome to another um, edition of Talking Wanderers. Uh, no Gary this time, just me um, doing this. Uh, we wish him well. Another thing that we want to uh, do is um, say congratulations to Ed Harris and his partner Katie on the um, slightly premature birth of their baby girl. And I hope everybody is doing well in the Harris family. Um, with me, I've got um, the two newest members of the Talking Wanderers um, board. Welcome. Welcome, guys. Thanks. Thanks for having us. No problem at all. Thank you. Um, introduce yourselves. Tell us about yourselves then. So uh, my name's Kyle Shestak. Uh, we're from the United States, uh, Philadelphia area, uh, New Jersey. And uh, you want to Yeah, I'm, I'm Rob Shestak. Uh, grew up in Philadelphia. I currently live in South Jersey, about 10, 15 minutes outside of Philadelphia. And Kyle's my son. Excellent. Well, it's really nice to meet you both. You as well. Um, so, uh, the first thing we're going to ask you is then, uh, what's your business background then? And, and actually, no, no, let's not ask that first. Let's, why Dorking Wanderers? Why are you here? So, you know, growing up in Philadelphia, South Jersey area, um, I'm a huge Philadelphia Eagles fan. Okay. And I get that from my dad here. You know, it's mm-hmm. for people from our area, you're, you're born and raised into it. Uh, it runs in your blood. What we say is uh, you bleed green so that's kind of the the tagline of the fan base and you know just carrying that passion of you know being involved in sports and it you know being my whole entire life following the team um you know everything that's involved with the moves they're making from you know draft picks management decisions financial decisions that's the kind of thing that fascinates me with sports so um taking that fanhood and you know talking to my dad all the time you know we talk about um just various things we want to be involved in Mm -hmm. and we you know i just kind of did a lot of research and through the english pyramid system and Mm -hmm. how it works over here is so different than how it works in the United States, you know, you can't just start a professional club and take it to the big time. That's yeah. not something that's possible. Yeah. It's not, you know, that's not on the table. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just looking at different clubs and kind of working down the the levels and seeing, um, like I watched Sunderland till I die okay. years ago. So yeah. that was something that yeah. was very interesting and seeing mm-hmm. how, uh, you know, that fan base felt about Sunderland and their, you know, heartbreak with relegation yeah. and yeah. the struggles they've gone through. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that kind of thing resonates with me heavily. So stumbling upon the Wanderer story um, and hearing about how they were started, you know, 20 some years ago, mm-hmm. uh, 12 promotions in, in that time frame, yeah. it's truly once in a lifetime it's once in a generation you know that's not something that's very common mm-hmm. most of the clubs around here yeah. started in you know the late 1800s early yeah. 1900s yeah. um so to see that the wanderers were started in 1999 mm-hmm. and all those promotions and now knocking on the door of league football it's it's truly remarkable so that that whole story is fascinating and i don't think there's anything on the planet that is even close to to what is happening here and it just felt like a very special story in a very special place 
Yeah, it's growing up uh, in a sports family. Mm-hmm. You know, Monday morning would the, your attitude on Monday morning would be predicated on how your football team did on Sunday. Yeah. So if your team did great, everybody's excited, mm-hmm. they're, they're motivated, they're working hard yeah. Monday morning. Your team loses, you call out sick for three days. <laughs> you know, we take we take it to heart. Yeah. And if you look at fan base, the supporters mm-hmm. base, you're not going to see any more passionate fans than you would in the United Kingdom. Mm-hmm. It is just unbelievable. Yeah. And, you know, we have multiple professional sports, football, baseball, basketball, yeah. hockey, and soccer, American football. But the way that the English do it in the pyramid yeah. uh, process with the relegation and the promotion and so all of these things. rare, isn't it? It's, it's impressive. Like America, because, yeah. 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 Yeah, it's impressive. And then Kyle came to myself and my wife. September, uh, yeah, sometime around September, he says, you got to see this. He says, just, you got to see this. It's a pretty <laughs> neat story. And it was it was a great story, um, you know, with the 12 promotions in a 24-year period, yeah. the English record. And Kyle said, you know, should I email him? Should I contact him? I said, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And Kyle sent an email to info at dorkingwanderersfc.com. Yep. Yep. And Mark got back to him and him and Mark, you know, became friends long distance mm-hmm. uh, through Zoom and so forth. And Kyle put the whole everybody together at the table. And it's been really exciting. And what, what he put together with Mark and Chris is just truly amazing. Excellent. Well, that sounds really, really good. So how did you, so Carl, how did you, how did you come across Dawkins then? Was it the, was it the things that you've seen online? Yeah. So it's, you know, kind of going along with what I said before and, you know, being truly obsessed with sports and how everything works and how unique it is Mm -hmm. here. Um, It was just kind of going down and researching different teams and, and stumbling upon the story was just, you know, then you see a bunch of amateurs and, and the social media pages and TikTok and everything. Um, And it kind of just popped up realistically. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's, there's a bunch of other clubs that have a ton of history, but nothing that's close to this, you know, uh, a story of a club that's gone through multiple owners and financial struggles and the relegation promotion battles. That's, I mean, there's so many clubs here. so this specifically just and again it was just a lot of research and reading and stumbling upon articles and seeing interviews that mark had done just that stuck out as something that was this is something completely different than anything else i've seen yeah in in my life yeah amazing and he brought that to you and yeah i mean if you look at uh, the promotion and relegation process in in the u.s teams get rewarded for being bad yeah they get higher draft picks you know the number one draft pick here if your team does bad you're penalized and i believe that's the way it should be and that's what makes the fan base and the supporters here such an amazing group of people Mm -hmm. It, it truly is amazing yeah. yeah, there's always an incentive to be competitive. You know, at the end of mm-hmm. seasons in American sports, if you're not going to make the playoffs, you know, it's kind of we're going to pack up and go home. Yeah. But you might have a month on the yeah. season. You might have two months on the season. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at the Premier League now, you know, there's five, six teams that are in a relegation battle. If that was over in the United States, they're, they have nothing to play for. Right. And you can okay. see the the passion of supporters, you know, yeah. Everton scores a goal mm-hmm. that might 
that might save save their life. That might that's that has a huge impact, impact on other clubs as well. Ex- exactly, it's, it felt, it's like a ripple effect that's felt across with other clubs who are hoping that they don't win that particular afternoon because it's going to push them further down the table. Exactly. I mean, I think the other day Southampton beat Chelsea one yeah. 0 and yeah. you look at that. That's you know, yeah, David and Goliath, and yeah. That loss yeah. to, to Chelsea, you know, yeah, it's okay. They'll it be all right. A, but it has a bigger impact at the other end, doesn't it? Most other teams get dragged into a relegation battle because they've picked up three points. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think you've kind of answered one of my other questions, then, really, about the English football. So, in interest of English football, the kind of that relegation promotion, and, the, and what what do you um, sort of see about the fan base as well? Have they told you much about the fan base at Dorking and how? You know, traveling across the country on the coaches, going to watch games and things like that. Yeah, that's definitely. A, I think that's quite an English phenomenon, really. Yeah, you know, sports. You don't because the, the the you know the the size of some countries. It's almost unheard of that people travel to watch games. And whereas here, we on Saturday morning, we'll, there'll be a load of us outside the the place where you're staying, getting on the coaches, going to North Wales to watch Dawkins play Wrexham. So. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like kind of what you said, organizing the coaches and uh, taking the trips. And there's a lot of emphasis on away travel. Yeah. I know when you purchase tickets to matches, you know, yeah. you can accrue loyalty points because you traveled and followed the team. Um, I know Mark was you know, following Wimbledon for a while mm-hmm. and, and that kind of thing. You know, you can buy tickets and travel to away games yeah. in the States, but it's completely different because it's an organized community here. Yeah. I mean, you can tell that that the support is ingrained in the neighborhoods and the and the smaller towns. You know, England is only so big. Yeah. The United States is massive. Yeah. And because they don't have relegation financially, they're mm-hmm. always going to be okay. Yeah. But you can see the impact and it's people's lives. It's what yeah. they, what they care about. It's what gets them out of bed in the morning. And it's what, you know, it's what they bleed. Like they, the, the people of Dorking, you know, mm-hmm. what if this was a premier league club one day, yeah. what would that mean to a place like yeah. this? I think it would be, you know, the, one of the biggest stories yeah. in the world, yeah, if that ever yeah. Yeah. came to fruition. I, I think it, it, it it would almost be like that even if there was another promotion easily easily yeah just to play league football would be would be gigantic yeah and like domestic competitions as well you know Mm -hmm. compete for the FA Trophy the FA Cup yeah you know back back home it's make the playoffs you win the title or you don't yeah there's so much more to play here play for here you know European qualification Mm -hmm. all that stuff so just as a complete structure Mm -hmm. it's significantly more fascinating yeah Okay, sounding very passionate about it. <laughs> yeah, it you know it, if you look at sports in the United States, the first touchdown of the game is probably not going to decide the game. The yeah. first goal in hockey, or the first basketball yeah. hoop, or the first home run, or mm-hmm. one nothing base, most likely yeah. will not determine the outcome of the game. So fans like it. You hit a home run, it's great. And then the next inning, you're just watching the next thing. Here, one goal could be the the difference a significant amount of times. So everything is so important how you get there. And you're born with that in your your blood here. Mm -hmm. Just the passion of being a a fan. And you can 
root for uh, support different teams. You can support uh, EPL team. You can support Dorking in the National League. Uh, so, you know, it's pretty good. And fans, fans here, they love to support their yeah. teams. You know, they'll walk around with the logos and the colors. Yeah. just, you know, like it's putting on a jacket and tie every day. Yeah. So I will come back to that now. So what are your business? What, what's your business then? So, I mean, I, I'll let you take the reins on, <laughs> on, on, the, on how, how that's going. Um, I kind of got into my business a little differently. Uh, I was at, I actually uh, played soccer at Penn State University. Football. It's football. 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 Yeah. Uh, and uh, I was in the aerospace engineering program. Okay. So I wanted to be an astronaut wow. and the space shuttle blew up uh, in the late 80s. Uh, Krista McAuliffe, the first teacher in space, passed away and other astronauts. So I had to change my major. A friend of my dad's was in insurance and he was an actuary. Okay. So I talked to him a little bit and he said, you know, there's there's not a lot of actuaries. There's not a lot of people that do this. And if you like math, it's something that you'd be interested in. So I transferred to Temple University and got mm-hmm. a degree in actuarial science and risk management and been doing that ever since. You know, most people don't grow up saying, hey, I'm going to be in insurance sales or insurance <laughs> consulting. And then, you know, Kyle. Yeah. So he's that become a family business now then, is it? Uh, I, not that in the sense of we work for the same company or right, anything, okay. but, you know, he's been in the business my whole life. So yeah. even, you know, before I graduated college or anything, mm-hmm. going to conferences and meeting people, you know, people he works with and that I work with today, I've known since I was, you know, five, six years old. So it seemed kind of a easy transition to make, Mm -hmm. um, not easy in a not hardworking sense, but just made a lot of sense because there was connections there. And so, you know, that's how I got into the insurance business and, Mm -hmm. and that's our background, just, you know, making connections, networking with people and, and it's relationships that, he started, but now I carry into my career. So like I said, people I work with, I've known for, you know, 20 plus years at this point, whether they saw me as a, you know, weird little kid and now I'm an adult, but it just, it's, it's within work that has also kind of embodied the family atmosphere that we kind of can resonate with with working. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's certainly a very family friendly football club as well. That's been sort of evident on the things that you've watched. You know, I go and watch with my mum and my stepdad and we used to go and watch the old Dorking and there's you'll see tomorrow night there's families there with the young kids that are wearing the shirts and and people were just so friendly as well you know and I take my girls down there sometimes and it's just such a friendly club you know and, and a safe nice safe environment for them to be in as well and you'll get a sense of that tomorrow so what do you think that you can bring to Dorking then moving forward what are the sort of things that you want to bring so you know I know we talked a lot about the story mm-hmm. um, and the ascension the quick ascension to where they are today um, I think that if anybody in the United States loves anything uh, they're all suckers for a great story and everybody's, you know, yeah. fanatics over there for their teams. So I think that this story specifically um, should be known on a more global level. You know, mm-hmm. when people in the United States hear about this and they see what's going on and can get behind what's happening, there is going to be support mm-hmm. coming from a, a market and an area that may not exist right now. Mm -hmm. So I think that's what it is. I just think that we're the people that are going to be able to, you know, promote this story and and get the name out there and, you know, 
add the following on social media so people can really, you know, sign up to stream the games and yeah. just promote the team in, yeah. in an area where I think that people would genuinely resonate with what's happening here. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you, you look at uh, what uh, Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney have done with Wrexham, and it's truly an amazing story. Yeah. And their passion being from, you know, from the United States and Canada is, is just amazing. Uh, and it's engaging when you, when you look at it. What's interesting, though, if Kyle and I purchased Wrexham, it probably would not have a story. Uh, so they've really done wonders for smaller non-EPL or EFL teams yeah. such as Wrexham and, and, Dor- and Dorking now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just it's it's just amazing it's it's you're you're born with this in your blood here and the passion is just off the charts yeah we may not exactly bring a uh hulu documentary to the (laughs) table but you know we can maybe we can get close maybe we can uh, get close yeah well there's definitely there's definitely as you said there's definitely that sort of gap and and that fan base you know expansion that to be tapped into and how how you kind of mentioned it there through social media is that kind of how you envisage promoting that and pushing that out and word of mouth and and getting that out is there a way that you sort of envisage that happening out in states you know social media is always useful um and just from being a part of the sports communities that we're part of you know connections that he's made connections that I have, you know, friend groups and friends of friends, you know, Mm -hmm. my, my group of friends at home were about 12 strong and I've known most of them since I was five or six years old. So my best friends I've known for 20 plus years and it doesn't sound like something significant, but you know, you get that, you know, going and who knows maybe it starts as a small pocket of people in the Mm -hmm. philadelphia area that start to care about it and then you know somebody knows somebody else and i think they're while it's not a a grand scale um i think there's definitely a a strong foundation of you know we have confidence that we can get the the name out there and and really get people paying attention wearing the gear and and people you know what Jordan Wander is like, well, what kid is that? Like, what are you wearing? And then it's like, well, wait till you hear this. Yeah. And then let me tell you something. Yeah. And then from there, again, you never know where it can, yeah. where it can take Definitely. you. Yeah. And, you know, and money can buy a lot of things, right? It's not going to buy necessarily 12 promotions in 24 years. Mm-hmm. It's just not going to happen. And that's a story in and of itself. And, you know, I, I watch Kyle. I, I'm more on the business side, the risk management side, mm-hmm. probability and statistics. So everything that I look at every day is all numbers to me. Okay. You know, when I look at the field today, I'm like, uh, and talking to, to Chris, wow, you could see 10,000 people here. That's exciting, right? You can just see it. Kyle, if, uh, who wants to be a millionaire? Uh, started with Regis Philbin. And I always said my phone a friend would be Kyle if it was sports. <laughs> you ask him a question, oh, any NBA player, you know, what team did they okay. play for? He'll know. What college they went to, he knows. What record they have, he knows. Who the head coach is of the not only the pro team, yeah. but the college team. Yeah. And when he gets something in his head, he investigates it like no one else. Yeah. And he'll peel back the onion and find things. And when he brought the story on what Mark and, and Chris and, and the rest of the mm-hmm. Dorgan family have done uh, in such a short period of time is nothing short of fascinating and amazing. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're, I can already sense the enthusiasm coming from you guys. So, and you haven't even been to a game yet. Yeah, so, we're excited. We're going tomorrow. Uh, this will this will go out uh, before we play Wrexham, which I understand you're going to as well. Yeah, 
Yes. Uh, so that'd be really good, really exciting. Um, I also spoke to uh, Wrexham's uh, matchday commentator, Mark Griffiths, uh, on Zoom, which will be included onto this podcast. Um, and I guess that you're just looking forward to getting to the ground and meeting the fans and, and kind of getting a feel for how it looks on a match day and things like that now. Absolutely. You? Can't wait to see the atmosphere at Meadow Bank and yeah. even the away support in Wrexham. It's going to be very yeah. exciting. Excellent. Well, it's really nice to meet you guys. Same here. And I wish you all the very best. And um, let's hope for um, some good times ahead for Dawkins as well. For sure. Absolutely. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Thank you. Right. So, uh, good evening to Mark Griffiths, or should I say, uh, what does it say on your Twitter? Uh, Disney's Mark Griffiths, or? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll answer to almost anything, <laughs> as, long as, as long as it's complimentary. So, Mark, yeah. you're our representative on Talking Wanderers from Wrexham. So, what is your, what, tell us about what your role is at Wrexham, then. Well, I'm a volunteer. I have been mm-hmm. since the eighties, in fact. Uh, despite my boyish looks, my main role is doing the audio commentaries at the games. Although <laughs> I do dabble in a lot of other stuff, so I edit the highlights. I mean, you know, you'll be as familiar and, and your listeners as anybody with this. You know, football clubs, despite our recent good fortune with the takeover football clubs are, are run at our level by enthusiastic amateurs and, and volunteers so yeah. i do the highlights i produce podcasts i write up some stuff on the website I, I, and a little bit in the program not as much as i used to um it's, it's like i said as i'm sure you'll be familiar uh you you need people who are going to be jack of all trades so i I sort of turned my hand to quite a few things. I was at the women's game today, actually. I rarely get time to go to our women's teams game, but um, the owners are very keen to invest in them and and to raise their profile. So I was there today to write the club's match report. So, yeah, a bit of everything, to be honest. Yeah, amazing. So um, I did see that actually. So they won, didn't they, this afternoon? I saw some. I saw some pictures on Twitter, and I saw your own tweet about being at the game and everything. Look, quite an yeah. impressive backdrop. Um, where that ground was as well. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, it's exciting for us that mm-hmm. the the the, you know, the owners. I mean, I'm, I know I'm sure you, you you want to get to them, but I mean, fair play. The, the takeover is such a genuinely good thing, not just for the team but for the community. So you saw the picture of the women's team. I mean, the women's team is is developing essentially. Welsh. Um, I mean, you know as well as I do, English women's football has had that big boost from last summer, and that's affected all of Britain. The Welsh women's setup is nowhere near as developed as the English one. Mm-hmm. Um, but Wrexham last year, essentially, in its current form as part of the club was formed, I mean, it, it was existing beforehand, the owners have actually put some investment into it. They announced this week that if they go up, they'll go semi-pro. Wow. Last when they were reformed, they joined the second division of Welsh football. Um, there's only eight teams in the top division. And the owners have said that they want Wrexham to be the dominant team in Welsh women's football, <laughs> which I think is achievable, probably. So where you saw that game, the picture there, that was a home yeah. game yeah. because they don't yeah. play at the race course. Mm-hmm. Um, they play at Rosa Aylwed, who's which is a, a t- one of the satellite towns of Wrexham. Wrexham is a... 
well, it's a city now. No one's used yep. to that. But it's also a county, and there's lots of satellite towns around Wrexham, and Rose is, is the, I assume, the biggest, and the most historic, in a way, a mining village. It's really picturesquely weird and pig- higgledy-piggledy because it's all it was built, basically, by miners moving into the area and building their own houses. It's a nightmare on a sat-nav, I'm telling you, because everything <laughs> looks like it's... In little curly shapes, all the little streets, <laughs> and it doesn't pay take into a fact, you know, the fact that they're all going up and down hills. Um, so yeah, so they play there, they get crowds of a couple of hundreds, right. but if they go up, they'll have to play in some form of stadium, and it'll be a it'll be a good step up for them. And like I said, it's it's just an indication of how good the owners have been for the town that. You know, it's been a hell of a boost, not for the club, but for the town, honestly. The I'm a teacher. So I'm a mm-hmm. volunteer at the club. I'm a teacher. Yeah. And the, I mean, it's, I would honestly say two, two and a half years ago, most Wrexham people would be quite down on the town and would be very sort of self, well, I was going to say self-effacing, but actually I'd, I'd more say self-mocking, I think, if people asked them what they thought Wrexham was like. And mm-hmm. now... Oh, I tell you, the kids in school, people around town, they walk with their chest puffed out. You know, you get TV crews coming through the, the town centre, it's like city centre, um, and nobody bats an eyelid at that happened two and a half years ago. I promise you, people would be astonished. Yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah. It, the, the yeah. takeover is an incredible social thing, not a, a, more than a football thing, I think, in a way. Yeah, and that that led me on to one of the things I wanted to ask you about really, Mark, was that the, the takeover is more than just a takeover of a football club, mm. isn't it? It's more than just that takeover. And I think that does evidently come across in that documentary with the stories of the, of the supporters and the volunteers and the people that are attached to the club. And that's very much what you said about there. How much has that, has that done for the area and done for the, the city and, and the people around there then? Has that been a real big boost to them? And, and sort of local morale and things like that in the community. I don't want to sound like I'm exaggerating, but my honest, the word that comes into my head is immeasurable. It's astounding. Mm-hmm. It really is. And, and I think that's also why I wasn't able to come to your place for the game earlier in the season, but mm-hmm. I think that's why the overwhelming reaction from Wrexham fans who did go down to Dorking and also the club officials and everybody I know around was that they liked you a lot. Um, you think you made an incredibly positive impression. And I think part of it is because, although you're, obviously your background's incredibly different to ours, you're rooted in a community uh, and uh, clearly you know, you feel like a force for good within that community. And, and I think, you know, although our stories are different, I think a lot of people could see similar ethos and intentions behind the club. Um, the, the Like I say, the impact's just vast you know we're we were a smallish town uh, just not far from the english border um which you know i think it'd be reasonable to say of certain identity issues we are so close to liverpool we're so close to manchester uh lots of people in north wales will, will get on a bus to go to watch liverpool or everton at the weekend rather than us mm-hmm. and and like I said, I mean, we, we, we've not done well under this current government. Uh, and as a result, you know, we have, you know, the, the town has been in, de- in decline. I know you go anywhere and you'll see empty shops. I know I, I know that. But, you know, I think Wrexham has been hit a little bit harder maybe than the norm. And then these guys have come along. And I, I know this is only symbolic and there's lots of concrete differences, but... 
all of a sudden, like one of the biggest superstars in the world wants to know us. Um, you know, and, and I think I think that alone, I think that the morale boost of Ryan Reynolds knows who we are. Mm-hmm. He wants to actually give us money. He wants to come and see us. I think just that in and of itself is has had an immense effect on the on the sort of self esteem of the people who live here. Honestly, and there's yeah. other things. I mean, for example, we, we applied twice for leveling up funding. Now the the headline element of that is to pay for a new stand at the racecourse, but yeah, you know, let, let's let's be plain here. Um, we're going to get that built. But mm-hmm. the reason we were applying for the funding was because there were a lot of other benefits. The whole, that part of town was being renovated and the club was very happy to be the sort of flagship to support that base because it wanted the area to have the uplift. Now, if funding doesn't come on, there doesn't seem to be any noises about making a third base. Um, then the club will have to go ahead and make the stand and fund it in other ways. But like I said, the reason they did it that way was because they wanted the town to benefit. And I think that's yeah. a, I think that's quite a good illustration. I mean, they, they've done lots of lovely things for people. They've they've made huge donations, you know, within the context to people who need help in the town. Um, I'll say as well. I'm sure you can appreciate this. Um, <laughs> Welsh is a difficult language, <laughs> and. <laughs> You know, I mean, quite frankly, it does annoy me a bit, even though I did reveal to you before we started recording. Oh, I'm only recording it. <laughs> um, my Welsh is great. <laughs> uh, but my Welsh, my wife is first language while speaking, so I've got uh-huh. some brownie points. But the fact is, we still get quite sensitive when people naturally make fun of our language or our culture. You know, it's not very nice <laughs> to hear. Yeah. Um, it's also, I tell you what, it's a bit irksome when you'll get somebody, you know, some comedian on a panel show who'll say, oh, actually, I speak a bit of Welsh, and then they'll say things, and it's absolute gobbledygook. <laughs> um, well, I can assure you, Rob McElhenney, who has been attending events in the US, <laughs> you know, with Welsh tinges to it and, and and has been trying to learn Welsh. Mm-hmm. That is Welsh. He's doing really well. You know, that's <laughs> not a an inauthentic thing. That's one of the things they've done beautifully actually, is they have come in and they've been humble and they've said, yeah. we're gonna learn about Wrexham. We're gonna learn about football. Yeah. Um we are the custodians, you know, and, and they've been very like that. It's yeah. what you want. You know, it's really yeah. what you want yeah. in an owner and yeah, his Welsh is authentic. He actually does speak, I would say, better Welsh than I do. And it, it sounds right. It actually is Welsh, you know, like yeah, a lot yeah. of people who will claim something and then say something stupid and then point out uh, for comic value. And this is true, that microwave in Welsh is poverty pink. Yeah, <laughs> which is true. Yeah, well, but if you think about it, it's you know, simple, and, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's quite fun, actually. When... Um, so what you're saying about the owners and everything there, um, Mark, is that does that and and the the additional benefits does that um, irk you somewhat then when you hear disparaging comments about Wrexham and it's and it's mainly aimed at the the playing squad and the and the you know uh, the sort of this this sort of fairy tale and everything that it's it's not just about that it's about everything else that's gone on locally as well and the morale boost and the and the and the funding that's gone into other projects and things like that as well yes although i i agree with you it's like like you say it's more than just 
Scott uh, Bowley, Todd Bowley, sorry, coming into Chelsea. <laughs> yeah. Um, for, oh, I'm cat. Get rid of my, sorry, I'm trying to get rid of my cat. She's never done this before. Don't worry, Laszlo, uh, my today. cat, often joins me in here for podcasts. Don't worry, he might yeah. come along. Um, don't you worry about that. I have a cat person. You can join in as far as I'm concerned. Um, yeah, it's not like Todd Bowley just turning up and saying, that guy looks good. That guy yeah. is supposed to be tasty. Let's throw billions at it. It's yeah. very different. And yeah. as well, I mean, what maybe some people don't appreciate is that uh, there's essentially no financial fair play in the National League. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's a consciousness. I mean, Salford did this really blatantly. Not saying it's wrong when they were in the National League. Make that do, spend now to get infrastructure in place before yeah. restrictions come in. Because mm-hmm. that would be you know, beyond what was... Um, accountable for although to yeah. be fair to the owners and this is why i feel another reason i feel comfortable with them to be fair i think it's a very clever business model they've got mm-hmm. where celebrity is currency so yeah. i mean so actually our income our natural income has ballooned enormously so i'm, I'm not saying they haven't put their hands in their pockets of course they yeah. have i'm yeah. not saying that we are spending um you know only within our means mm-hmm. we're not um but having said that the owners have, um, you know, we've I've got tech, we've got TikTok as our shirt sponsors. I yeah. mean, why the hell would TikTok be interested in us? We're not for yeah. Ryan Reynolds. Our sleeve sponsors are Expedia. Now, yeah. these are legitimate investments, yeah. which are immense boosts compared to what we used to get. Yeah. Um, we've, you know, the, the whole financial side of the club, well, frankly, has struggled to cope simply because, as uh, Sean Harvey said to me in an interview actually last season, we're upscaling at a speed which no football club has ever done yeah because we are international now it's yeah. absurd but but true yeah so yeah we've got this issue of you know they are genuinely increasing the revenue streams we've on general since you dropped the national league averaged around four thousand, which is <laughs> good really isn't it for the national league but now the only reason we average just under ten thousand is because we can't fit any more people in the ground we would sell yeah. you know this yeah. new stand yeah. will make us fifteen and a half thousand capacity at the yeah. moment we'd sell that out easily yeah. so you know they have made the actual club bigger whereas i would say that some clubs that get sugar daddies they don't take that long-term view they just spend money to have fun then they let it go pop yeah and they don't tend to grow the club they're more about oh well i'm the investor now i'm the owner i'll do this and mm-hmm. i don't care what comes next so you see say Salford, i've got in a football league fair enough <laughs> Um, or Crawley, um, yep. Fleetwood, yep. you know, yep. Forest Green coming off the back of individual wealth. Have they grown those clubs <laughs> to an extent? Because you do when you get in the Football League, mm. but their crowds aren't much better. No. Um, you know, does I mean? So we're, they're looking more long-term, I think, and I feel okay about the spending. <laughs> yeah. I would do it. Yeah. So you're, you're a Wrexham fan, Mark. Yeah. Um, is this... What's the best period that you've ever had as a fan? Is it oh, this? Damn. It was just before I started watching Wrexham, so maybe that's a bad <laughs> I always say my family is a bit cursed of Wrexham. My granddad watched Wrexham during the second month. Sorry, my, my dad watched Wrexham during the Second World War as yeah. a kid. Yeah. Um, and obviously there was no organised football then. But mm-hmm. believe it or not, you know, because they started playing in order to 
just keep people entertained and there were no registration rules as such and Wrexham has got a big army barracks we used to have people like Stanley Matthews playing for us mm-hmm. and so my dad watching Wrexham in the wartime leagues uh, we won the league one year the northern league um and then it, it was it was considered because they, they look at the records between northern southern leagues that we were the British champions the English champions wow won. now obviously that's not real football but my poor dad must have thought Wrexham were great, and then real football kicked in, and so bless him, he had like sort of, um, sort of sixty-five years of watching Dross. I followed Wrexham the season after our greatest ever season, so nineteen seventy-eight. Wrexham win the third division, mm-hmm. opens the second tier for the first time ever, win yep. the Welsh Cup. That was more of a norm, to be fair. Mm-hmm. Quarterfinals of the FA Cup and of the League Cup, and I started watching Wrexham the season after. Okay. For me, it's been a decline. And my son missed out on winning the LDV Vans trophy at the, at the Millennium Stadium and <laughs> just watched us drop in the National League. So I would say, yeah, I think this is the most exciting time simply yeah. because you can see there's something behind it. I've only seen us get promoted twice, that 93 and 2003. And both times were brilliant. But, you know... We then had to consolidate. So we, we had great times. Brian Flynn was our manager in the 90s. And yeah. we had some great times. We had some brilliant cup runs. We had Gary Bennett, who was banging goals in. We had a, a young team who were locally developed. And it was great to see. And it was wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, the 2003 team was really exciting. But then all the financial problems kicked in and, and hampered us. So this, it is. Plus, I mean, let, let's be honest here. We have a League One squad and a yeah. good League One squad. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, getting out of the National League, I think, is going to be much more difficult for us than getting out of League Two, if I'm yeah. perfectly honest with you, which yeah. just because there's yeah. only one automatic spot. Um, yeah. And so it's wonderful to watch because you often look at them and you just think, wow, this is a. We're just a level above. Troubles we can't shake yeah. Notts County off. No, I know. <laughs> um, so did you go to Aldershot yesterday? I couldn't, I'm afraid. I, I did reporting on it, and I, I, I saw the game live, um, but I couldn't actually attend it. Right, OK. Because was it yourself that was doing the comment? I heard a clip on Twitter where you yeah, said you love, me. That love football. Absolutely right. <laughs> when the goal you went in to. in the 90 plus. Yeah, you do doubt <laughs> yeah. football sometimes, don't I you? Saw a, to... I saw a tweet. And and how does that feel then when your your tweets and your coverage is, is worldwide, isn't it, Mark? It's you know, there's people in America, there's people all over the world listening to that. How how have you found that? How have you found some of the? Because I I must admit I had a little look, I did a bit of a dive through some of the tweets earlier and bit down a rabbit hole, and there was an American who called the who who called your winner yesterday like a, a buzzer, a buzzer like in, said it was like a buzzer shot or something like in base in basketball when they literally shoot as the buzzer's going off and it still goes in and how these funny phrases come across because they're they're obviously um american and then watching it out in america listening out in america and they use they're using those sort of phrases how does that how does all that feel to you that that's a treat that's a genuine yeah. treat um I mean the thing is we started about I started about what three, four years ago using the hashtag Ask Wrexham on mm-hmm. Twitter just to try and get interaction with the audience because mm-hmm. I, I feel you know a specialized football team commentary should have a close link to that niche audience it's got. And yeah. it, it works really well. You got some great questions and comments, mm-hmm. but because of the nature of the club, then 
Um, some some games you'd have none, literally yeah. no comments at all because uh-huh. you know we, we weren't that big, and if we were playing yeah. at home, most of those fans were there. Yeah, um, yeah. Now we kept doing it, and it's just exploded to the extent I haven't seen that tweet you mentioned yet because I just haven't had the chance yet to work through them all. It, it's exploded. Sure. The um, I do an hour, a weekly hour long podcast now, just answering the questions I didn't get to, or the absolute corkers that people might have missed up in the other commentary. Um, they are so devoted, and I've got to say as well, it's interesting to say about the phraseology, but I, I, I've I've genuinely tried to attract people in through that sort of thing because mm-hmm. I'm I enjoy American culture. Uh-huh. I I see where they're coming from. Yeah. You don't get the cliched stereotype of uninformed Americans at all. At all, mm-hmm. we get really intelligent, thoughtful questions. Yeah, and I enjoy, and they enjoy. I think that and discussing language, discussing cultural differences. Um, so that's become part of it. I've always seen our broadcast as well. So there's two key elements to it. One is I, I really, I think I describe the game more closely than you'll hear on the radio. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel that often radio commenters are too busy chatting to their co-commentator or plugging next week's game um, yep. to actually yep. subscribe things. When you hear the crowd going nuts in the background, I, I want to know what's going on. I can't see the game. Whereas I, I deliberately go the other way and try to be quite detailed in describing things. But also, um, I do like the idea that when you have a little downtime, bit of a break in play or halftime or pre or post-match, mm-hmm. be eclectic, be more like a podcast, develop the broadcaster's personalities and draw the listeners in and we have a chat. So, yeah, I, I think we're quite hardcore in the way that we look at yeah. and the analysis of football. But I, th- and I think it's been very good for us in terms of appealing to international fans because let's be mm-hmm. honest, that's what our ultimately our business plan is based on. That I think we've managed to draw a lot of people in. It's really pleasing by um, appealing to them and, and showing how welcome they are and how grateful we are that they're interested in it. And by being willing to to chat on, you know, diehard Wrexham fans level, but also on, well, I was on a level of people who are getting into Wrexham, but are, they like football, but they're getting into Wrexham as like their British team. And yeah. also, plenty of people who just say we like the human element. Of the documentary, we've never watched football, we don't watch sport, but yeah. we like this. Yeah, and trying to draw it in on those levels sounds challenging, but actually, it's brilliant fun. It really yeah. is. Yeah, honestly. No, I can sense. I can sense the. I can sense the passion and the enthusiasm even now when you're when you're talking, Mark. So the documentary, obviously, how did you? How did that? How did you take that? How did you take to that? I guess you embrace that the same as everything else that's kind of come the way of the club in the last few years, yeah? Absolutely. And that's something really interesting as well, that, you know, when you see that that's going to happen and you see a lot of the other documentaries that, you know, that have been out there, you think, oh, gosh, are we going to be stitched up here? But there wasn't much of that feeling in Wrexham, and I didn't feel it either. Um there was a little bit of concern, you know, will they like poke fun at the silly small town Welsh people? Look at this with their weird sounding language. And, you know, it's only sheep and miners and daffodils and women <laughs> in bizarre hats. Um, and, but, it, it, I, you know, I, I, I think that concern passed very, very quickly because the truth is that this documentary is, it's more of a, a love letter to Wrexham, I think, than 
you know, things like Sunderland Till I Die, where I'm, I'm not saying they set out to stitch Sunderland up, but my gosh, Sunderland gave them so much to work with, they couldn't help but stitch them up, couldn't they? Yeah. You know, it's, it, it's not like yeah. that, is it? And, and it is part of the business plan, isn't it? That the owners have taken over and they know that they people will be interested in what they're doing and they parlay that up into a successful reality show yeah, and then they draw people in. They're they're happy to to make a loss to draw people in to watch. It's like that whole controversy about um, the National League streaming matches. Um, I mean, I just couldn't understand their stance on that. But I'll be frank with you, I can rarely understand the National League board stance <laughs> on anything. Um, yeah. But I mean, you know, when we actually said, "Well, look, until you get your platform going, we'll just can we just stream the games and we'll just give all the money to the National League because it wasn't." The amount of cash that raises is not major for us. Yeah. But yeah. the exposure is. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the point of the documentary, isn't it? It's part of the business plan. But it is honest. I've got to say, I swear to you, I, I, having been in and around the club while yeah. it's being filmed, I really feel that's a fair reflection of how things were happening. Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's a couple of moments that look slightly staged, but I actually don't think they are. Like when Humphrey Carr goes in to meet the previous manager with the squad and it's all... Oh unbelievably awkward yeah but i have heard since watching that and thinking okay did that really happen that way but actually it did yeah. um, and certainly everything pretty much everything else i've seen of it um i does that genuinely chimes with my experience what it's been like in the club so yeah. i don't think it's a, a puff piece nice. it's part of our business plan i was quite shocked seeing them talking about phil parkinson's job being on the line that's the sort of thing that if you if you do in a propaganda documentary, you don't you don't have that to you. No, but they, they did genuinely talk about that, and it was you know frankly more than I thought it actually was at the time. You look okay. at that and you think, oh, actually maybe he was a little bit lucky. I'm yeah. glad he didn't get rid of him because I think he is he's done an exceptional job. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it is authentic though I think genuinely, and, and yeah, you don't yeah. hear anyone in Wrexham uh, complaining. You hear the odd per- you get more oh. Forgive me for saying this, right? I know you guys will not be like this because you clearly got your head screwed on, right? Mm. But you get some people who come to you, like visiting media, and they try to tell us what's happening. And it's like, well, you know, to be fair, I'm here. I've got a better idea than you of what's happening. And they'll say things like, oh, uh, Reynolds and McElhaney, they just wanted to be in a documentary. So. Why do they? Why would they want to be in a documentary? Yeah, Ryan Reynolds is the biggest yeah. movie star in the yeah. world. He can be in anything he damn well wants. Yeah. He doesn't need to be in a documentary. McElhenney yeah. might not be so big over here, but Always Sunny is the longest-running yeah. non-cartoon sitcom in history. Yeah, he's massive yeah. in America. They don't need to be in a documentary. It's for us. But um, yeah, there's there's no cynicism about the weekend scene. Mm-hmm. Having had our fair share of cynical owners in the past and near death experiences, yeah, our radar sharp on that. Believe me. Yeah, 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 absolutely. As it as it should be. Um, you showed me a picture. I think just before we started of your favorite yeah. all time Wrexham yes. player. Who's your current favorite player, Mark, in the current uh, squad? Well, of course, I'm tempted, having been to see the women play today, I'm tempted to say Rosie Hughes, who got a 50th goal for Axon today, and I think a 19th game. Oh, um, wow. <laughs> that's not bad, is it? <laughs> no, um, not at all. She only scored four today. She was, I think she uh, went a bit easy on them. Sounds um, like it, yeah. But, <laughs> I mean, in the current men's squad, I mean, you got an embarrassment to riches because there's a few players who shouldn't be... I don't mean it's a disrespectful way, just anywhere near National League, and it wouldn't have come anywhere near us before our new owners came in. Mm-hmm. I mean, Mullins phenomenal as a striker. You know, what's he got? He got 
34, is it, last season? And he's got 32 yeah. now. Yeah. Um, he's done a terrific scoring run. He is a high-quality striker. And I think yeah. in some ways the, the best way to illustrate that is... We've, you know, we've had the three cup games against championship sides, Coventry, Sheffield United twice. They rotated their sides, but not massively. In fact, mm-hmm. at the game at Bramall Lane, we rotated our side considerably yeah. more than they did. Yeah. Um, and their centre-backs were terrified of Mullen. He really was. He looked a cut above them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, those Sheffield lads were playing in the Premier League last year. And that, you know, that, that does say something about him. He's a hell of a player. <laughs> and it's got to be said, you know, I mean, he's he's the big superstar. He works his socks off, you know. There's, yeah. there's no cream and honour about him. But having said that, I mean Elliot Lee in midfield. Oh, what a lovely player! You know, when he he scored at your place, didn't he? And uh, and that was where we've had to work a little bit to try and embed him in the team because I think he looks like really he'd be better as number ten. And we didn't really play that sort of system. Yeah. At the start of the season, we tried to change our, our sort of approach a little bit to accommodate him and lost points, frankly. It didn't quite work. And then, again, to show the quality of the guy, he's adjusted himself. So he's playing more box-to-box, yeah. uh, which people thought, you know, he wouldn't be good without the ball. But actually, he's he's a little scrapper. He's never really been asked to do this before in his career, and he says he's loving it. You know, he's he's involved all the time, and he's he's terrifyingly creative. I mean, he is so good. But I think if you say favourite, I'm going to say, and you won't have to come up against him because I'm afraid he's injured, I'm going to say Aaron Hayden. Yeah. Who, is an absolute beast of a defender. They scored at, they scored at our place, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, he's he's already... Well, he's got a lot record. of goals. Yeah. Most goals ever yeah. by a Wrexham defender in the season. Wow, and, yeah. And he's been out for the last three weeks injured. Yeah. Um, he's an animal. I mean, he's, he's, he's an amazing physical specimen. He's fast. He's strong. His leap is terrifying. And that's why he's so good at scoring with his head and set pieces. Yeah. And uh, there's a joke that Wrexham fans say about he eats helium for breakfast. <laughs> but honestly, there are some amazing photos. I mean, you can see it, obviously, in the goals when you watch the video. Yeah. But there are some wonderful photographs. We've got some terrific people in the media team, photographers. It's great that. And I think it helps our ability to present the club positively. Yeah. There's some amazing photos of him scoring headers. And, um, you know, he's just it looks like he's just standing in the air. And his feet are at about hip level to everybody else. <laughs> it's just, it is like he's levitating. He yeah. Just, I did say to him once, you know, I, you know, I... I, I I realised from his answer what a stupid question it was. I was saying, how do you actually get such height? And he says, I do practice, you know. And <laughs> just, but, he, but he just genuinely, he's, he's saying, have a little, uh, and Ooh. training sessions, he'll have a little session of just practising jumping. Just yeah. getting up, getting up, getting up, and muscle memory works, doesn't it? But he's a, he's a phenomenon. But we got a few, you know, we got some, I mean, yeah. Luke Young, the captain, what a pro. And it's wonderful that obviously there's been an upgrade in the squad where his place hasn't been in doubt. He's a proper professional, really good all-round midfielder, mm-hmm. genuinely nice fella off the pitch. In fact, they are in general, and that's nice as well. I think they yeah. buy into the community thing too. Palmer is a, a proper unit up front. He's been struggling a little bit with injury lately, and it's almost a bit up and down. But mm-hmm. you know, it is because of the injury. Um, but we, yeah, I mean, we got threats all over the place. That's yeah, you know, a lot of quality in the squad. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, so what? So presumably you'll be at the game against us on Saturday. Absolutely. So what are your what are your thoughts about Dawkins then, Mark? 
I mean, I can see that obviously you're having a very rough ride at the moment. Yeah. I, I mean, I hope you can halt that, not against us. I'm sorry. <laughs> but, um, because I, I think that I, I, the way that you've come up to this level so quickly, that the whole story of the club, like I said before, chimes really positively with, mm-hmm. with us. You know, it's it's another community-based venture. You can see the camaraderie. Um, there's a... I, I, I know it's a different end of the scale, but I think the media sensibility of Dorking is exactly the sort of thing that Robin Ryan would approve of. Oh, absolutely. It's yeah. genuine. Yeah. And it's presented with sincerity. You know, the post-match interviews to the manager <laughs> are brilliant. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. superb. And yeah. I've seen some people from other clubs like trying to have a chip about it. And it's like, well, oh, you know, what would you rather hear? Media-trained blandisms. Yeah. He's, yeah. It's fantastic. He, he, he's, he tells it as it is. There's a yeah. genuine... You can see that togetherness, you know, even from a distance. It's obvious. Um, and you just feel to me like the sort of club that, that deserves... To do well um, in in the game when we played you, I felt that there came there came a tipping point where we got got control of it, and yeah. until that point, that that was uncomfortable. You know, um, you you played more interesting, constructive football than a lot of sides have done against us, mm-hmm. and you weren't scared to go in toe to toe with us. No. I think I think if I'm honest, I think ultimately that might have cost you a little bit because. Naturally, when you go behind and try to push a bit more, we've got the players who can really punish that. Yeah. And that meant that the scoreline, well, I, mean, I, 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 I feel we deserve to win, but not by yeah. that margin, because you asked serious questions of us. Um, yeah. So I, I certainly, yeah, I, I certainly wouldn't be taking Saturday for granted, put it that no. way, because you could, we could see that you move the ball around well. Mm-hmm. You know, typical team with a 4G pitch, you want to play yeah. football. Yeah. And, and so I'll be coming up. So and and there'd be a lot of quite a few of us coming. I think a couple of hundred, hopefully. So what can yeah, we sure. expect when we what can we expect when we come up to Wrexham? Then Mark, can we expect a warm welcome? I think so. Absolutely. I, I certainly can't see why not. Um, we are a club who always applaud the number of away fans when it's announced as well. You know, with that sort of club, <laughs> I hope. Uh, you might find the odd twist. Please don't take them as being representative. Of us, <laughs> please. Um, but no, I think you know, absolutely. Uh, there's lots of pubs around the area actually that, that are, you know, they're Wrexham pubs, but I don't think yep. I don't think you'd have any concern. And the town is only ten minutes walk if you you know to, to pop down the hill to there. And oh, okay. I think you'll find, you know, absolutely. I think you'll have a, I think you'll have a good welcome. To be honest with you, I think, I think Wrexham fans appreciate the atmosphere made by a proper away following because mm-hmm. that's one of the big things for us dropping out the national league. When you arrive, you'll see, okay, you'll see one derelict. Well, oh gosh, I beg your pardon. It's not derelict anymore. It's, it's not gone. There. It's gone, isn't it? Off. Yeah, it's gone. Yeah. yeah. The opposite yeah. side, which is like the home ends now, mm-hmm. were, was the away end because in the okay. league. You'd, you'd regularly at least have the terrace full and sometimes have the whole thing full. Whereas yeah. in the National League, it, it, well, you say 200, that's fantastic. That'll yeah. be a damn yeah. sight better than the vast majority of games we played in the National League. I remember mm-hmm. following it the first couple of seasons we were, came down. And I, I remember the first season, I think we only had oh, we only had three figures once in the away end. So, no, I, I think Wrexham fans like uh, a proper atmosphere. 
don't be wrong. We like teams donating the points as well. You know, please don't get me wrong. Um, <laughs> as long as you're not like walking last Tuesday, which oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fans, yeah, there was a yeah. bit of annoyance. Yeah. I don't know. Is, is this half term where you are last? Was it last yeah. week? Yes, it was it half term. It looked like it must have been half term in Walking. Um, yeah, because there were an awful yeah. lot of 12 year olds right. uh, dressed like hooligans and, and <laughs> rushing. If you, uh, it looks like you may have seen it, but those metal steps that they rush to have a go at the Wrexham fans is right. a disabled viewing platform. You know, well done. Oh, okay. <laughs> so um, I don't get the impression that Dorking are like that. I go, no. Man, just. Yeah. No. Um, Generally, as as a as a as a group of supporters, we're pretty um, you know, we're we're just there to support our team, you know, yeah. and and get behind our team. And I think at the moment they need they need that. And I think there 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 should be a decent following. We've put on a second supporters coach, and I was speaking to quite a few people over the weekend who said they're going to drive up and make a weekend of it. So, um, so that'll be really good. And by the time this goes out, obviously you would have because we both got matches midweek as well. So you've got Scunthorpe, haven't you? And we've got Torquay, which we need to win. And you guys just need to keep keep going, I suppose, and and going toe to toe. Is this is this um a Notts County um the kind of um obviously it's become a two horse race now, hasn't it, Mark? Is that is that um oh, I'm just gonna say it's it's just that the element of an, another side that just won't go away. Are they are they the, the they the sort of the toughest side that you've faced? Are they the the other the side that whose results you always look out for? And same as I guess their fans are all you know. At one point yesterday, I think their fans would obviously have been thinking that you were going to drop a couple of points, and then uh, you got your your winning goal. Is that how you kind of see it between yourselves and them now, just going toe to toe really to the finish line? Yeah, it's starting to get obsessive now, to be honest. It's, it's becoming a toxic love affair now. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> on Tuesday, there was a point where we were leading walking and Notts County were losing. Yeah, and they were they were initially losing, weren't they? Yeah. And and as you can imagine, the excellent fan, you know, they're getting obsessed with, oh, my God, this is, a, this is the turning point. We're going to do it. And then it all span round and they gained two points on us. And then, likewise, the Aldershot match, there was a point again where we were winning and they were drawing. And mm-hmm. you were thinking, OK, this could be it. And then it ended up the opposite way around of us. I'm going to nick that 96-minute goal to actually get yeah. the um, It is... It is a heck of a ding-dong scrap, it's got to be said. I mean, it is remarkable. And both teams getting those late goals, it is a real illustration of how daft it is only one team goes up. Because if ever two teams deserve to go up, it's got to be us and them. Absolutely, Um, yeah. We've been on the wrong end of this in the past with Fleetwood, where we, well, it's, I believe, still the record in the top five divisions. We're at 98 points, the most points a team's ever got without getting promoted because they had Jamie Vardy. And, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, what can you do? Uh, yeah. We bottled it in the playoffs. Right. This time we last year, likewise, we mm-hmm. don't want to go to the playoffs. We are no. desperate to avoid the playoffs. We really are, especially as Walking showed. You know, I sounded a bit disparaging. Walking looked very good on Tuesday. They were yeah. The only team who've come to us, and with about ten minutes left, I was thinking, hang on, we we could lose. Mm. Because at home we've been fabulous. I mean, I think they're your first drop points at home all season, aren't right. they? Yeah, exactly. It's phenomenal, yeah. that, isn't it? And we would have yeah. been Sheffield United. We drew three yeah. all with had they not yeah. scored in the ninety fourth minute. Yeah. So, and we deserved that at the home game, to be mm. honest. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we, uh, you know, we we're, <laughs> we're very aware of Notts County. I would say though, there's not the animus. That there was between us and Stockport last season. Okay. Um, 
again, the two teams were obsessed with each other, mm-hmm. and I think it got a bit a, a bit nasty in a way. Right. Not, not, not too drastically. I mean, they are fairly local. It's only yeah. about an hour away. I wouldn't mm-hmm. say they ident- we identify ourselves as big rivals as such, mm-hmm. but it is a local game. There's always a yeah. bit of spikiness about it. Um, and then, yeah, so last year it was much more yeah, a bit unpleasant. And likewise... I think if if Chesterfield had stayed in the race, I'd say Chesterfield's a club that wrecks them for a number of different reasons, some historic, some not, aren't mm. that keen on. Whereas, okay. if I'm honest, within the club and I think within the fan base, mm-hmm. I think quite like Notts County, yeah, they're all right. You know, they have the clubs yeah. you think, yeah, they're decent enough. Yeah. I think yeah. we look at them and we see ourselves a bit as well or, or pre-takeover ourselves. Yeah. So um, there's not that edge as such, just this no. frustration that yeah. Langstaff keeps scoring goals. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why don't they just um, stop? And and I'm sure their fans probably say the same about Mullins as well. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think I think ultimately when you when you step back at it and look at it objectively, as I I can do, like it's just I think it's I think it's brilliant. I saw an Aldershot fan who'd gone to their the game yesterday say it be it really would be a travesty if if it wasn't you and them that went up because you are the, by far the best two sides in the division, and if one of you suffers. Uh, defeat via the playoffs that would be awful really because it's ultimately going to te- be a team that by that point could be 20 you know points off an automatic promotion spot so yeah it's never ideal is it um with us the, the Fleetwood season we was we were I think it was 20 points ahead of Luton and then lost yeah. in a mad first half hour uh, 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 you know so very frustrating but in the last season the 5-4 loss at home to Grimsby. Mm. I mean, that was just an insane game. I yeah. would say, and this is a, 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 you know, I hate to say it, but encouragement for, for you on Saturday, your attitude at home was to come at us and try and play. I think that is definitely the best way to go about playing. As yeah. yeah. We have been letting goals in, and part of that is because we have been, the, the number of injuries we're getting to the back is stupid. Yeah. Uh, we picked up potentially a couple more yesterday. Now, the the players coming in are very high quality. So please mm. don't get me wrong. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not pleading some excuse. Oh, our players are out injured. You know, we brought on Jordan Tonicliffe for outside. Yeah. I mean, he's an outstanding player. Yeah. Um. Well, he'll know but, some of our. He'll know some of our players now as well from yeah. their time together at Crawley because we've just brought in a couple that would have been at Crawley at the same time as him. Yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. The, the, the fact that that disruption hasn't helped us, and if you look at it, I think it's seven games since we've kept a clean sheet. We're just letting okay. three and two this week. Mm-hmm. Um, we've still got a good defensive record and it's equal second best in the league, I think. Okay. But probably behind knots, I'd imagine. Yeah. I think they're level with us. Um, Are they? Some, okay. Someone's letting five less than us. I looked at this one. Oh, okay. Like it wasn't. Might be Barnet um, or someone like that because it might have been, seems like yeah. they haven't conceded many goals. Yeah. But I mean, the truth of the matter is, we, we're not keeping clean sheets at the moment, mm. and I think when teams come to the race course and look to park the bus, I think they're asking for trouble because we've yeah. got, you know, Palmer is a beast in the air; he'll win headers yeah. in the penalty area and create yeah. these balls. Yeah. Mullen is sharp as anything. If he gets a yeah. half chance, a chance he'll finish it. Yeah, Lee can create, and then from the mm. set pieces, although we're not quite as effective as the ones from the set pieces because mm. we don't have Hayden. Um, but still, toes as long, throws in the corners. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I think sitting back and hoping to keep us at bay 
yeah, I'm, I'm saying yeah. this as somebody who's usually pessimistic. They're going, oh, I hope we score. But actually, with the sort of side, if you try to do that, we'll probably score at some point. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. I don't, I don't think that'll be in Dawkins' makeup really, and a lot will depend probably what happens Tuesday night. But I'd be, I'd be surprised if we went with that kind of attitude because that's not yeah. generally something that we kind of do anyway. So, yeah. Okay, Mark. Well, that's been an absolute honour to chat to you this evening on here. It really has. Talking Wanderers is proudly sponsored by Complete Carpentry and Build. Visit www.completecarpentryandbuild.co.uk. Check out their website.